there, skips and skipperettes from all across the vast electronic wasteland known only as Internet Land, and welcome back to Tales from the Jungle Cruise. Well, welcome back, everyone. Uh, wow, we have had a busy couple of weeks. Uh, August 26th, we launched our second Kickstarter, the card game King of the Skippers. Now, Tales from the Jungle Cruise, the podcast, is surprisingly not free for us to produce. Uh, it's actually kind of expensive at times. Now, we know you hate pledge drives, and unlike NPR, we only do this once a year. Um, the podcast has gotten more and more expensive over the six years, and for us to continue doing it, we have to find ways to pay for that. Now, there's some direct contribution models out there, Patreon and stuff, but I think you should get something tangible for helping support us. So we are offering our card game on Kickstarter. King of the Skippers is a casual party game for four to eight people, is super easy to learn and explain, and it starts only at $9 if you're uh, local here to Anaheim and can do a pickup, or $12 shipped anywhere in the U.S. We also have a ton of really, really cool backer rewards if you want to Add a little extra and get some personalized art or a t-shirt or something like that. Now, as of this date, September 5th, we are 40% of the way to funding our goal. And I just wanted to take a second to actually ask you for your support. We have about 10,000 listeners on the show on an episode-to-episode basis. And if 10% of you uh, supported us for the cost of a dollar a month, $12 a year, we can make sure we're able to keep the show going. And sadly, it's it's not a guarantee that we're going to be able to do so. So whether you've been a fan for all 100 episodes or you're just joining us for the first time, head over to kickstarter.com and search King of the Skippers. Or you can find the information over at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash junglecruise, C-R-E-W-S. Uh, we put a ton of time into it and it has really fantastic art. The artist was amazing to work with. And I think he really captured our take on the non-Disney part of the Age of Adventure that we've had here on the podcast. Now, we have tons going on as usual, so join us over on our Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash Jungle Cruise for updates, uh, jungle history, and photos. Um, today's episode of our Skippertainment is with Skippers Kelsey and David. That's right, another jungle romantic couple is gracing our podcast, and you don't even have to wait until Valentine's Day this year to get another tale of love. We chat about the recent days at Jungle, as well as relationship advice on how to keep a love alive when you work together at Disney. We also visit the strange land of 2008, and we delve into a mysterious Jungle Cruise event that seems to have been lost to the ages. Alright, here we go everyone. Season 6, Episode 3, as we present our interview with Skippers Kelsey and Skipper David in an episode we like to call Bag of Worms. Kungaloosh, everyone! For Dave or David or I'll respond to both. And you prefer which? Well, I'll go with Dave. Why not? Okay. Well, you, <laughs> you can 
you can pick a different name. Let, so let's just say, Dave, what, what would you want to be called if you could pick any name in the world? Yeah, that's, just, that's a bag of worms you don't want to open right now, Kyle. Okay, I will call you Bag of Worms for the rest of the episode. <laughs> you are Bag of Worms. No, that's, that's a terrible thing. Uh, well, that's a good point to start. Dave and Kelsey, uh, welcome aboard the, uh, the Tales from the Jungle Cruise podcast. Um, we are recording from the, the distant shores of Arizona today, Phoenix. Yep. My sister's in Phoenix. Very cool. uh, She goes to game shops and poetry readings and artisanal pizza festivals and all kinds of great stuff. She tells me all about how cool of a city it is to live in. Wow. I have never heard of any of those things here. We need to do artisanal pizza right stat now. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, I will. I will get that hooked up. Well, you know, and Phoenix is uh, well known for its beach culture because of all the sand everywhere. (laughs) Now all they need is the water to go with it. Um, no, Phoenix, actually, I, I actually have a lot of friends who live there and there's a lot of ex skips. Yes. Uh, and it is a very cool, like cultural, it's kind of like, you know, Portland without the trees Mm -hmm. and without the hipsters. I, you know, I don't, you know, when I was there, there were, there was a decent hipster culture. Um, because we went to this like art center around a library and, and, uh, it was pretty hipster. I mean, it was not uh, a cultural oasis. It was. It was there. Hmm. Well, let's let's talk about you, wacky kids. Uh, I guess it makes sense to say you guys both have worked on the world famous Jungle Cruise. Yeah. Yep. What, uh, Kelsey? We'll start with you. When when did you uh, come to be part of the the culture of Disney, and what brought you to work for uh, for Disneyland? Um, I worked there from August of 2011 to July of 2013. I learned jungle about a year into my hire date. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was my second attraction. I started out at Indy and then I learned jungle. Um, I actually was in the college program and always wanted to work at Disney, been a huge Disney freak. So wanted to apply and I prefer to do photo pass, um, but attractions was my second option. And I'm glad that I did go into attractions because I wouldn't have met Dave and all my other awesome friends from the jungle. <laughs> now, and now, Dave, were you college program as well? I was not. I, I came in during the mass hiring stint back in 07. So I hired in. It was, oh, God, I want to say it was June 30th, 07. Right after the 50th. Right, yeah, right after all that madness subsided. I learned Jungle as my first attraction, and I left the company. It was December of 2012. Hmm. Actually, we would have overlapped then because I left in 08. We did overlap. You were actually, you were the first last boat that I ever rode. Oh, very cool. Which, that stands vividly in my brain. She mentioned, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll be talking to Kyle. Oh, like... He might not remember, but we know each other. <laughs> yeah, let me uh, – I'll, I'll Facebook in the background while we do this. So, um, so yeah, I mean that was – it was an interesting time because that, I want to say, 08-ish period was definitely um, – you know, things were changing at the jungle. There was a tightening of the scripts. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, it definitely was not um, – you know the the loose and freewheeling era of the, the air horns and the two thousand four ishness. So, uh, but no, that that's it's a big chunk of time. Um, sorry, I'm just gonna check this because you look. Oh, 
Yeah, okay. No, absolutely. You totally look familiar. <laughs> I, I love it because it was such a weird, like that, you know, the ending of my second era there, uh, it went by way too fast, shall we say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what brought you and what was your, your incentive? What was the reason that you chose chose Disney as your, uh, your summer job that turned into a longer term? Oh, gosh. Um, it really started, I, had, I was living in Seattle, and a friend of mine had mentioned to me that she was considering moving to California and working for Disney. I thought to myself, I wasn't in school at the time. My job wasn't really keeping me anchored anywhere because it was just a job. Mm-hmm. So we put the wheels in motion and made a go of it. You know, came down came down the coast with no job, no place to live, and figured, let's let's do it. Let's see how long we can last. Mm-hmm. She worked she worked NOCC attractions for about a year, and then moved back. And I just kind of migrated from couch to couch for a little while. That that and, actually is. Uh... It seems like it's part of the employment uh, contract for a lot of people for Disney. I uh, I know a lot of people who were in that rotation of of uh, you know crashing while you you got started at the resort. Yeah. Uh, what what other rides did you know? I let's see. I learned a long enough th- time. I'm sure you had a few under your belt. I learned Thunder. Mm-hmm. It was uh, probably about December of '07. I lost my thunder knowledge. I got steam trains after that because at the time jungle was closed. So they thought you can't hack it on the fast train. We'll give you the slow train. Have fun. I learned Indiana Jones. I want to say it was about August of 09 and probably about a year later, they finally gave me thunder back. (laughs) Um, the, uh, God, my brain is gone. I, so I think I've been averaging like four or five hours of sleep the last week with this Kickstarter. So uh, pardon my my moderate lapses. Uh, Kelsey, I actually want to say I've, I had ridden your boat because I'm looking at your Facebook. You look what? super What? Really? Yeah, you look super familiar. <laughs> so one of those dim- times where I came in to harass Kip or something. That's um, funny. <laughs> I, there, was, uh, there was a – I came in one night and there was a – Lead closing a young lady. I'm trying to think of who that was, hmm. uh, who actually let me go out and spiel a boat. But I want to say that was the day. Maybe that was one of the times I came out and saw you, because you look really familiar. That would make sense. Yeah. So anyway, um, so yeah, that's that's a good time, and that's definitely, uh, uh, you know, I guess the the six million dollar question, you know, since we're having both of you on, was when did the sparks fly? Uh, you know, what, what was the incentive that, uh, got you guys together on March 11th, 2012? Oh my God. Your, your powers of stocking know no bounds. You know, it's, it's the, uh, there's no privacy anymore in this world. Right. There isn't. Oh gosh. Um, there was a, there was a mutual friend of ours who I was living with at the time, again, couch crashing, who had approached me and said, hey, there's this really new cute girl. I said, they're, they're a dime a dozen. They come in droves with the college program. It happens. He says, no, 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 no. You didn't hear the best part. She loves Star Wars. I said, okay, 10 points. She loves Seattle. I said, okay, even better. 
And he says, she wants to go to the University of Washington. And I said, that's, that's the trifecta. You hit all three bullet points for me right there. Mm-hmm. And we were, we were working, we were working Indiana Jones yep. on Valentine's Day in the same rotation. And I figured my, my best bet was to try and get her to go out for drinks. Mm-hmm. And she says, no. <laughs> not because she didn't want to, but because she did not drink. Mm-hmm. At the time, she was not yet 21. So there, in my mind, kind of went my shot. Um, must have been a few days no, well, no. I guess a couple weeks went by because her 21st birthday came and went. Yep, it was like that same week when I turned 21. I was not able to go to her party because I was moving, which she kind of gave me flack about that for a while. I hung out in the park a few days later, and... The rest, as they say, is history. I, I feel like you're – are you guys in the same room? Because I feel like you're looking over at her to make sure you're getting the story right. No, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm much better at telling the story than she is. Yeah, I'm not that good at telling it, but uh, Dave moved back to Seattle in 2012, and then I stayed at Disney for a little bit. So we were doing long distance for a while, and then I decided – I was going to go back to Phoenix, and he actually moved here. So that's how we got here to Phoenix. Yeah, and I have to check because as a as a UW fan, um, I don't know if you guys know, I'm, I'm from Spokane. Yeah. And, uh, grew up in, in both Seattle and Spokane. And back over in Spokane, there's a real issue with um, you know mountain lions and such. So do you guys know the best way to keep a cougar out of your backyard? Stop offering her drinks? No, I'll put up goalposts. Cougars hate goalposts. <laughs> oh, see, we're doing we're doing football jokes. Boom, that's beautiful. Ah, oh, that works for anything, by the way. You can uh, you can work with any sports team that you like with that joke. Copyright 2016, Kyle Crocker. Uh, no, um, no, I love that. My dad's a UW graduate as well. So that's awesome. Uh, so do you? I mean, do you guys remember in working together? Do you remember riding each other's boats? I mean, is that something that that are? You, is there a clear remembrance of the times that you guys were uh, were hanging out there? David never rode my boat, and I still kind of resent him for it. Kind of. Uh, and uh, no, I did. I did ride his boat, but when we met, he pretty much only worked. Indian Thunder, so occasionally, once maybe uh, every six months, he got a jungle shift. So when he was there, I would go in the park and ride his boat. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, I know that there's a romantic thing here, but uh, did, was he a good skip? Did he, did he get you going? Or, uh... Yep, he was. He was a good skip, definitely. I still have not rode Kip's boat, which I need to. Uh, there was a lot of good skippers at the time. I mean, I worked mostly night jungle, so it was mostly new kids that I worked with. But um, I definitely enjoyed to like night better than day shifts. I just liked the atmosphere at night, and it was just a lot more relaxed. And David was probably the most seniority 
at Jungle when he worked there. I I, uh, I know I said this in the intro, but I'll, I'll probably slice that out. I'll say it again. Uh, if you want the real experience about what being uh, on one of my boats was like, just write Skipper Nick's boat. He still is using most of the jokes he stole from me. Yep. So, you know, this is... usually a, do, actually. Yeah, we'll like, go to the park. We usually catch his boat. <laughs> it's like the Skipper Kyle experience right there. It's like a recreation. Um so the, uh, you know, whenever you're, you're at Disney for that long for the both of you, you know, there's always those exciting moments that stick with you for the rest of your life. I mean, do you guys, uh, any celebrity stories, any, uh, uh, any exciting moment? Like if, if you tell someone that you work jungle, what's the first story that comes out of your mouth? Hmm. Um, mine is kind of a bad one because I failed my PA when I first started working jungle. So I kind of just think of like my training experience. Um, it, I was not that comfortable when I first started learning jungle and I don't know, I wasn't comfortable with the track switches. So I actually had to go through training a second time. Who, so who that was, your, was, who's your trainer? Um, I had uh, Chris Howell and Nick Edrick, so I had two two trainers. Um, I mean, definitely over time, I learned to love jungle, but at first, it wasn't very easy for me to do. Um, there was one time where I was on the dock, and they were filming the Christmas Day Parade, and the Backstreet Boys were there, and they waved at me. That was probably, like, the best celebrity moment I had at Jungle Cruise. Because I was trying not to freak out because that was, you know, who I grew up with <laughs> as a kid. Hold on, you grew up with the back, like, not literally, because that would have well, been, you know, that would have been the yeah. best. That would have been the best story had you literally grown up with them. Had yeah, it been, you know, been. oh yeah, they're they're my uh, they're my stepdads as a collective group. That would have been awesome, man. Go make that happen, uh, Dave. How about you? You have any any moments in your time that are particularly sticking in your mind? Yeah, um, the. One one in particular is I think it's the first one I always tell people. When Chuck Norris rode my boat, um, I didn't recognize him at first. So you know, I see a plaid and a group get on my boat. I'm thinking nothing of it because I didn't recognize anybody. They must not be famous. I go around, I do my spiel, and this guy I must have been about six foot tall, kind of a bushy beard. He's just in stitches the entire time. Busting a gut laughing. Gets up, shakes my hand, told me how funny I was, and leaves. About an hour and a half, one of the other skippers asked me, he says, so how is it having Charles on your boat? I said, Charles? He says, you know, Chuck. I said, Chuck? He says, you know, Norris. I'm in the boat up at load. My right hand clenches into a fist, not realizing I still have the PA queued up saying, man, I feel like I could roundhouse kick everyone in the... And I dropped the mic because I was going to say throat. <laughs> so you do, you do realize that your, your skippering was made better by having him as an audience because everything he does, he's incredible at. So as a, a guest at Disney and a guest on a Jungle Cruise boat, he made you better. He Absolutely. I, I embodied some of his power and nothing could stop me for the rest of the day. Uh, who, who, who did you train with, Dave? Oh, God. Katie Bauer was my trainer. Oh, Katie. Yeah. Oh, um, I, like, I like Katie. My, I don't remember who my training partner was, but she did not last past day one. Yeah. 
I think it was one of those got sent home because of the improper footwear issue. And I, I, I didn't know that had a name that was common enough that it was, uh, was it six inch red heels? Cause that, that's what I wore to my PA and they didn't say anything yeah. about it. Well, yeah, but you got the legs to pull it off. Yeah. Well, you know, it's the joys of being five foot seven and, uh, you know, next to, next to Kip, I look like a hobbit. <laughs> so I guess, you know, one of the questions that I, I, we haven't, we've only had like maybe one or two other couples on the show, even though there's lots of them, for some reason, a, a lot of, uh, it's like a major secret about how to make Disney uh, jungle relationships work. So what's, what's some advice that you guys would give about dating Disney? Like, how do you, how do you, how does dating Disney work? What's your guys' sage advice for couples who are thinking about it? Mm, we never really worked together much when we were there, just because I pretty much worked GSO 90% of the time, or I was at Opera House. Um, and then when I did start working Jungle more, Dave was already gone. So I think it kind of helped that we weren't working the same shifts all the time that you weren't on top of each other. I mean, let's, yeah. Yeah, let me rephrase that, that you weren't on top of each other at the, you guys know what I meant by that, right? That, yeah. Okay. Um, it was not in, in 10 innuendo. That was, uh, so, okay. Uh, so yeah, so distance is a big thing so that not, uh, you know, not feeling like you're always there and always talking Breathing down the back of each other's neck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what else, what, as far as, you know, when you guys started dating was, was there that little spark backstage? Did you have lunches together? I mean, is it, what, what else helped make it work? Not talking about work. Yeah. I mean, it was all kind of fast though, because I only really started talking to him that one day we worked together at Indy and then pretty much within three weeks we were dating. So it was just very, very fast. Actually, we just started texting a lot, um, you know, went out for drinks and we had a good time in the park playing together. And we just had a lot in common. You know, we both lived in Seattle, both love Disney, you know, it just makes it easy to talk to each other. Do you feel like, um, the skipper ethos, the, you know, the, the, the magic of being a skipper has, has made the relationship easier. Uh, do you get, you know, are you both the kind of people who will crack a joke, you know, in, in context or, uh, has that, has that not helped? Has it been more of a distraction? No, I, I actually think that has helped because, you know, yes, having have us both having worked at Disney is enough already. You know, if you're talking to someone or dating someone who, hasn't gone through that experience, doesn't have, you know, this similar kind of stories as you. It makes things a little hard because they can't exactly identify. But, yeah, we're, we're – hell, we're constantly cracking jokes and, you know, playfully riffing on each other. Is it um, – you know, as far as even just the, the commonality of having something that you guys have gone through together, uh, you know, is it – is it the identifier for your relationship? Is it the thing that you say, you know, that, you know, you're, uh, that's the word I'm looking for. God, I, I'm very seldom this tongue tied just so you guys know, I'm normally, you know, much more lucid. Uh, I don't know what it is. It's just, it's, it really is 
the joys of putting together Kickstarters, especially when it's a much bigger one, this is our second one. And the first one was like, you know, we sold 400 copies of the game, and this time we have to do 1,000. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm just, a I lot. might be getting four hours a night of sleep. We're, we have a bunch of people coming up tomorrow to record, and they're going to be in full jungle adventurer costumes. So, yeah, it's uh, um, it's just the joy of trying to keep my mind going on and focused and all that. So the, uh, Kelsey, I'm almost a little envious of you cause you got to work with Jason. I'm a huge fan of Jason's. Um, yeah, I was like, Jason, I, Jason Lewis. Yeah. No, I know. So there's almost a little bit of jealousy that, uh, that you got to work with Jason Lewis. Kelsey, he is one of like the, Oh, he's awesome. Yeah. I really, yeah. really. Yeah. Jason's one of those people where, um, you know, when I first met him and then he really started talking it's like you don't expect him to be that funny at first but he's so funny once he opens up (laughs) there's a little stealth field humor stealth field with him that it's it's subtle do you guys visit on a regular basis still do you swing back for the the place where it all began do you have that uh that magical you know sort of feeling about disney or is it just a place you guys happen to meet yeah since since last year when we caved in and finally became annual pass holders yeah, we go a lot. We're actually going next weekend, mm-hmm. so we are excited for that. <laughs> is, is that uh, – oh, it's not Labor Day weekend. That's the weekend after. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, well, hopefully um, – I know this will probably be passed by the time we actually put the recording up, but on the 25th, we are going to have a big kickoff party for the Kickstarter at Trader Sam's. We know, and that's – Like two, two days, days before, before we, we get go. there. Oh, yeah. that's so – it's sad. Well, you'll at least uh, – if you're in town – um, if I'm, I'm down in the area, we'll try to, to match up and I'll, I'll show you the cards and show you everything that's happening with the That'd card be game. Great. So. Yeah, definitely. We do go a lot to the park, but I mean, I don't know. I've loved Disneyland ever since before, you know, I even worked there. Like to some people, they don't really care about going back. I mean, if I could still afford to be there, I would still be working there. But yeah, stupid California with your economy. Yeah, it's expensive. You know, I hear you can couch surf. I hear that that's a good way to uh, keep your costs down. It's true. Yeah. Uh, what? Uh, and a little bit of Disney news has come out in the last couple of days. I don't normally do like newsy segments, but I have some pretty strong opinions about this. Um, you know, World of Color is going back to its. Uh, without Neil Patrick Harrisness, which I'm really happy about. Yes. Uh, oh, I, I, I was not happy at the way that that uh, revised show came through. Uh, but Paint the Night is ending its run September something, and they're bringing back the electrical parade from Orlando. And I, it's, it's one of those moves that genuinely has me scratching my head. Hmm. Uh, Paint the Night was, you guys have seen it, right? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's the best parade that they've done. The only thing I can think of is that uh, Disney's trying to keep the crowds down. Because uh, you'll have a little bit of a spike with the electrical parade, but I mean, it is maybe they're just trying to keep people out of the park to keep attendance down and lower. Hmm. Uh, or Orlando just really needs a good parade, and they're going to they're going to trade them. But yeah, I, I don't get that one. Um, there's supposedly going to be fewer fireworks shows over the. Uh, the fall into winter mm-hmm. season until the winter uh, fireworks start up, which I also found interesting. Um, and then uh, Hyperspace Mountain is closing, and it looks like they're bringing Ghost Galaxy back. Yes. Hmm. So because they're, uh, I guess there's a rehab uh, set up uh, for space, and that it's it may be shifting. So if if you haven't ridden 
hyperspace mountain, it's a good time to do it. And then I guess the other big news, uh, we're not going to cover it in depth, but I mean, is uh, Tower of Terror going away? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which I'm actually not too sad about. Um, You know, I, I like things being new. There's obviously only so many things they can do on the Disneyland side. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a lot of licensing issues that were involved in the decisions and some other, you know, uh, decisions as far as people from the top who, who wanted to incorporate more Marvel. Uh, I'm not as shaken up and torn about it as a lot of people are. Um, I am. <laughs> I guess after riding the one in Orlando and having it be so much better of a so ride. So much better. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, and I just got back from Paris and same thing. And then the Paris one is, is you know, amazing as well. So. Uh, yeah. yeah, it doesn't really break my heart that much. I'm okay with, especially if it means we're going to get more Marvel. If they, um, you know, if they if it does well, yeah. Well, if they build things out a little bit, there's a lot of of opportunity and space for them to uh, to put more Marvel things. Uh, it kind of kills stage warehouses. Well, yeah, yeah it does kind of kill my theory that they were going to do something with like a Marvel City concept and really put like a bunch of Marvel things in one area. Uh, I, I don't know if it's because Shanghai was didn't do as well. Uh, but you know, with all the things they have uh, budget wise coming up between star Wars and all that, I'm sure they're just trying to find, you know, uh, inexpensive ways to, to do it and, yeah. and create some new buzz and excitement. Cause there's nothing else going in new until 2019 or 2020 when star Wars opens. Hmm. Yeah. I don't like Marvel personally, so I wasn't very happy about the move, but I understand it. Plus, I mean, I've heard, you know, the contract expires with, um, you know, the people that have the rights Mm -hmm. for Tower of Terror. But uh, the Electrical Parade, I've never seen it, actually, because I didn't start going to Disneyland until I was older. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to see it just because everybody raves about it and how... You know, it's more of like a nostalgia thing, I think, Um, you know, because with taking out Paint the Night, I feel like if they didn't put Electrical in its place, then people would have been very angry. They had to to do something else that was significant. You know, I I worked Electrical Parade when they put it over at DCA uh, in, oh, uh, maybe late 01, early 02. They brought it back because of flagging attendance because after 9-11... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, they had some real issues with, um, the attendance for the whole resort dropping. And, right. you know, it was, I remember not being able to roll a bowling ball and not hit a guest during that parade. Um, I mean, there was just nobody around mm-hmm. and, and maybe things are different with, you know, Disney's attendance being what it is. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I, I think I, I, for a while I've been, uh, saying that Disney has been sitting on its nostalgia Mm-hmm. department yes. for a little too long. And that that's what I like about them uh, with the guardians of the galaxy thing is it's nice that it's something that's not just nostalgia. Um, you know, they're tying it into a new movie that'll come out the same year, you know, uh, that the, the ride is recommissioned. Um, I, there's just only so much you can do by rebranding and re uh, regurgitating the things that you've done in the past. And you wind up with Pete's dragon or you wind up with, you know, all of the, uh, with a Cruella movie that they're coming out with oh or my God. Maleficent two or the jungle book or any of these things, mm-hmm. and, you know, they have other great properties. That they could be, uh, be putting the investment in to do something that's different and exciting. Look in Paris, the Ratatouille ride, one of the best ride systems that I've ever been on. It's amazing. You feel like you're a mouse. 
the entire thing is scaled so that you're in front of these giant hundred foot IMAX screens that feel just monstrously gigantic. Um, and it was, it was a new original experience. And yeah. I, I really wish that they would continue to, to build things like that rather than uh, resting on the laurels of, of the intellectual property that they've had uh, floating around forever. So, mm-hmm. sorry, I get off in a little bit of a tangent. What's, you know, one of the things that I, I haven't talked to as many people who've been working at Disney in the last like four or five years. What, what is the skipper response and the feeling and all that to the cell phone culture? Because obviously we didn't have YouTube, we didn't have uh, cell phone video, we didn't have Snapchat, anything going on during the time we were there. How has it changed the way that skippers are both on stage and off stage with each other and with the guests? Hmm. I never really dealt with that too much off stage, at least at first. I mean, that was back when I had, as I put it, a dumb phone. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was still, you know, when I hired in in 07, it was still pre-smartphone era. So, you know. See, that's what I'm saying. Because when I was there in that same era, it was, you know, people would occasionally go backstage and, you know, use their phones. But it was all calls. It, you know, it wasn't the text side yeah. of things the way that yeah. it is. It, it just was still invisible. But in talking to, to other skips now, the the culture of going backstage and hanging out has been replaced by everyone going backstage and looking at their phone yes. for their breaks. Definitely. And there's, there's not an interaction between people the way that there used to be. I agree with that. I don't think I saw that so much at Jungle, even after, you know, phones got smarter. It was more, you know, you'd be back in the indie break room or in Thunder Storage, and everybody's just mindlessly clicking away at their tiny idiot boxes. I mean, do you feel that um, that as skips, uh, you know, if anyone has a phone out, did you feel like you 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 were less daring with your script than you would have been otherwise? No, no, that never, never stopped me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a little frustrating sometimes when you know there's teenagers or something that are clearly not paying attention to anything you're saying for the whole cruise. And one time, right before I quit, my mom was actually on her phone on my boat. She called my dad and, you know, was like, I'm on Kelsey's boat. You know, do you want to listen to it? And I was so angry because she was so loud. And I just stopped feeling and, like, stopped the boat and waited for her to get off the phone. And, (laughs) yeah, I mean, it was just – I don't know. I don't think – I didn't really notice the cell phones as much, but I think now it would be much different because when I quit, it was before Snapchat and stuff like that started to get really big. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was mostly just Facebook, really. Um, I mean, now with Snapchat, you know, they're recording pretty much anything and... It's immediately online. Yeah. yeah. So it's different, well, I think. And you can, I mean, you can go right now. I mean, I, I haven't done this for a little while, but you can go and you can usually find at least one Periscope feed mm-hmm. of the Jungle Cruise at any right. time. It's at, between all the parks. Yeah. You can, you can go and hit Periscope and you can watch a live Jungle feed uh, happening in real time, which I, I find is crazy because, you know, I know that. Uh, you know, I I know of a couple situations where skips have had disciplinary action because of jokes that they've made that have gotten posted on YouTube. 
mm-hmm. uh, that you know that they were that they broken script and and they had video evidence of it. So I can't even imagine in a world where literally you can go online and see a Jungle Cruise trip as it's happening. Yeah. Um, you know how that can't affect the way that and look. I mean, good for it. I mean, I, I've been a fan of the OG. You know, uh, ever since I quit paying attention to it. Um, <laughs> Well put, but I, I know I really think that you know being in the spirit of the jungle is one thing, and that's the important yeah. side of it. So, see, I think that kind of inadvertently forces people to behave. Mm-hmm. You know, with the looming threat of oh, what if this winds up online? It's a whole other story if you have a manager sneak onto your boat and you're sixty percent non-OG. I may be guilty of that. And having them come up to you afterwards saying, hey, by the way, didn't think that was in the script. And you kind of just chuckle like, oh, yeah, it's not. Oh, well, we'll just keep that between us then because it was hilarious. Mm -hmm. Like you said, if it sticks with the spirit of the jungle and it isn't incredibly out of whack. Well, uh, look, you know, I I think, you know, there's definitely jokes and there's definitely things that still fit into the theming and fit into the the way that the jungle is. You know, there's stupid animal jokes and puns and, you know, those kind of things are, are, you know, are great. And everyone's going to have slightly their own take on it. Uh, So definitely not a... uh, uh, not something I will ever be upset about when I see, but yeah, it's just a different culture. Cause you know, when people were videotaping with, with us, you know, they had shoulder mounted video cameras yeah. uh, in the early aughts. So it was a very different, um, there, there wasn't that level of fear. We, we actually just put up a couple of um, 1980s, like late eighties, early nineties videos up in the, uh, the jungle cruise uh, podcast page. And in some of the skipper groups, um, of stuff in the narrations program in 95 when they were actually allowed to develop characters and actually able to to create that with that character a little bit different of scripting. Hmm. So it's really interesting that there's this abandoned project that really would have changed the whole tone of uh, of how those things are put together. And I, I tell people, go link them. It's in the galleries at uh, facebook.com slash junglecruise, C-R-E-W-S. But yeah, it's... Um, uh, it's very interesting of a take about how when people are given the investment in the character that they not only uh, create something that's incredibly valuable, but that really fits within the Disney story and theming. So, You know, with something like that, it seems like they enjoy it more and the guests enjoy it more. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the whole investment thing. You know, it's um, I think every generation has a couple people who get a little too invested and, yeah. you know, we, we all know the people who take it a little too seriously or feel like it's their place, uh, you know, to be the jungle police and to, to run the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and that happens in every single generation. But at the same time, you, you also have to respect the fact that that's just that sense of ownership and that sense of investment in making something good. It can be a little over strong or misguided, but, um, you know, obviously I'm, six years later going into our sixth season of doing this, uh, I, I have an investment in it and, uh, the people who we have on, whether it's a 60 year old story or a three year old story, people want to tell about their time working there and people want to listen. Yep. So, you know, it's good that there's investment. It's just a matter of keeping it in perspective. Definitely. Well, and the good news is so far they haven't stuck in, you know, uh, the jungle book. 
because uh, you know, Ugh. I was I was expecting Balu to be showing up uh, inappropriately in the Shriners Temple. So I'm really glad they haven't. I mean, even even for such a thing like the Jingle Cruise, uh, Jerry was putting the kibosh on that for years. And it was, you know, they kept trying to bring up, you know, we want to do a holiday layover. We want to do a holiday layover. And he kept telling him no. Mm-hmm. Which I'm, I'm really glad they did because one of the, one of the things he had mentioned to me was pertaining to the Muppets. And as, as much as I love them, they have no place in my boat ride. Mm-hmm. But I, I actually personally have not ridden the Jingle Cruise. Yeah. Well, look, I like Jingle because, I mean, during like 03, we had people, we had um, uh, Christmas hats back then, you know, that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, were uh, leopard print uh, elf hats that people would wear. And, and there were definitely holiday jokes that, that slipped in. I think it's nice to have it with a little bit more structure and guideline to it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, and as long as they don't stick frozen references into the theming. Uh. Like they tried to do last year, um, they they had crates that were to be delivered to Arendale. That, oh, that, no, got, yeah. that got covered up before it opened. Um, you know, and it is a little frustrating to see things like plastic snowmen that are. Yes, that, that's what I don't like about it. That one, that one was a little upsetting because if the ride is themed in 1932 mm-hmm. or 28 or whatever it is, uh, plastic snowmen wouldn't have even been around until the 50s or 60s. So someone yeah. wasn't thinking at that point. Yeah, the decorations are definitely what bothers me about the Jingle Cruise because I did go on it the first year when it was basically just the queue that was decorated and, you know, the rest of the ride was the same. It was a little awkward then, but the next year, I mean, some of the decorations looked nice, but yeah, the plastic snowman and everything, it's just too much in my opinion. I think it should be more subtle or at least more themed because um, yeah it, it doesn't really feel like it should be there yeah. well and i don't think it, i don't think it's going to go away anytime soon right I, it won't. I, think, <laughs> I think jingle will be part of but look they're they're getting smarter with their um merchandise for the jungle cruise mm-hmm. absolutely uh, this was yep. the first year that i think they put out shirts that are actually yeah. uh you know as someone who designs awful inappropriate jungle attire um you know, they've had some really good Schweitzer and really good jungle shirts. So it's nice to see that they're getting some good designers who are actually putting in some, uh, you know, some things that are really nice the last few years. Yeah, I've actually, I, I bought a jingle shirt and I've got a, I've got a shrunken Ned t-shirt. Mm-hmm. The shrunken Ned shirts are good. I, I'm a huge fan of that because, you know, it's just obscure enough to where the untrained eye will ask questions but not too obscure to where you're not going to notice it at all. Yeah. See, and I, I would love for them to do like a T Fury kind of contest of people, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, people designing shirts for them. Yeah, that would be cool. That would be good. There is some good, good jungle shirts on those kind of websites. Um, definitely right now we're wearing jungle crew shirts, actually both of us. (laughs) (laughs) Thank, thanks for scheduling that because I know that yeah. the, uh, the audience at home will really appreciate that level of, <laughs> the level of care that that took to uh, to bring that to the interview. So yes, it's, it's lime green and it's the Jungle Cruise summer exclusive shirt from two thousand nine. You know, it's uh, as as a collector of fine uh, fashion, I, I have to applaud you for your choice. 
All right, guys. Well, uh, any other uh, any other stories from your time at the jungle that you'd like to have set down and recorded into the history books? Sure. Why the hell not? I can I can keep you around for a few more minutes, unless you have more pressing matters at hand. No, no, no. I I have the entire hour slated just for you. Ooh, we get a whole hour. We don't have to pay for it. <laughs> this is free therapy. Well, and that's that's what I'm here for is because jungle is a. Uh, you know, debilitating and difficult thing with great psychological trauma that is invested in all the people who work on it. And that's really how I look at it is six years of, of free therapy for, for skippers around the world. So if you already had psychological trauma, it doesn't do you any good. No, no, it's, uh, uh well then I'm, I'm a lost cause at that rate. Yeah. It just brings it, uh, it just brings it out in more subtle, uh, you know, slightly more humorous ways. Fair enough. Um, something I, it kind of just, popped into my brain a few minutes back after I had mentioned Jingle, was the Summer of Hidden Mysteries. I, I am not aware of the Summer of Hidden Mysteries. It was, it was a temporary jungle layover trying to hype up Indiana Jones 4. <laughs> I, and I, I was, was not aware. What year was uh, there? Well, how can that be? There were only three Indiana Jones movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert, kids. Uh, we, 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 and it is god-awful. Yeah, well, we all know that in 2008, there was some kind of a gas that was released that had people hallucinating that there may have been a fourth Indiana Jones movie. Aliens. That's, that's been debunked. There is no evidence that such movie ever existed. I'm, I'm pretty sure that there are no physical copies anywhere. No, no. But then it was just a really bad dream. I'm, I'm hoping that's the case. But. Can only, and, and heaven forbid that they would put a 72-year-old man back in a leather, uh, a leather coat and hat just to uh, you know, suck a little bit more value out of that franchise. But damn, he looks so good in that hat. You know what? The funny thing is, is that he's, uh, I think he's the same age as Bernie Sanders. Huh. Uh, and uh, who would you rather have defending the world is what I have to say. I mean, Bernie, of course. But, Defending um, the world against, against what? Well, that's true. Golf courses. Because uh, we all know that when Harrison Ford crashed his plane into that golf course, it had to have been for a really good reason. That yeah, golf no. course was up to something. Because Harrison doesn't just do those things. He does them for reasons. I believe it. Yep. Okay. So so we, you, we went off on like a ridiculous tangent right there. That was good. Yeah, no, that's what I'm, <laughs> that's what I'm here for. So tell me about the, uh, the, so the, the Summer, summer of, Hidden, of Mysteries. Hidden Mysteries was the most slapdash layover I will probably ever witness in my life. See, I didn't even hear about it. I had no clue. Really? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was – they kind of threw us a very shoddy maybe two pages worth of jokes and said – Learn these. We start next week. I mean, were they were they Indiana Jones? Were they tied they, into the movie? They or? were somewhat tied into the trilogy. So, you know, they would they had a show over in Aladdin's Oasis, and Indy came out of the tiger's mouth and was trying to find all these artifacts around Adventureland, and there's a bad guy it, involved. It's, it, it's funny because a friend of mine, Trevor Kelly, did that and got fired. Uh, this belongs in a museum. Yes, I'm just, familiar with that story. Yep, it, it, the video is online. You can. It's you, fantastic. You can watch the video. It is uh, in all of its black and white glory. And <laughs> for the longest time, that lamp was still in the upper level of the boathouse. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it is anymore, which is a shame. But yeah, this was the most poorly put together thing I have ever witnessed. They had a 
crate by Greedy Gorilla that was supposed to be the crate that held the Ark of the Covenant. There was Henry Sr.'s umbrella at Trap Safari. And Molaram's headdress was at Dancing Natives. Wow. That, that yeah. sounds terrible. It was bad, but they wanted us to do their set jokes. And I did them for maybe a day and just kind of threw it out the window. I figured if, if I'm going to be, quote, end quote, required to do this, I'm going to do it my own way. But, you know, they, they wanted us to do that so the kids could follow along on their little map and help Indy find these artifacts. And it was it was cute for the, the younger kids. Mm-hmm. But The younger kids who had no idea what those movies were. Exactly. Any context about what the jokes were about. them at a very young age. Ah. That just sounds terrible. It was... You know, I would. I, I tried to throw in the most obscure quotes from the movies possible to try and, you know, elude that we were near one of these artifacts. And every time I, I hit Trap Safari, I just, I got a very, very straight face and said, and suddenly I remember my Charlemagne. Let my armies be the rocks and the trees and the birds in the sky. There was always one fat nerd in the back who just laughed. Ah, because oh. he... He knew what I was talking about. Uh, that that fat nerd was probably Skipper Nick. No, it was not Skipper Nick. He was, he was not that short, and See, he did not have a sweet mustache. Uh, we're bringing it all back around. That's what we call a callback in the comedy game, kids. That was beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I, I will have to see if there's any surviving evidence that that ever happened, because that sounds just atrociously bad of a time. I, I might have a few photographs tucked away somewhere. I'll see yeah. if I can dig them up for you. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, and we're always happy too when people have, I don't think I've plugged this in the show, if people have videotapes, particularly from like the 70s and 80s, uh, and they they don't have a way of getting them created digitally, we will pay for the shipping to and fro mm. uh, and do the digitization for people. So if there are any listeners who are out there who have old Jungle Cruise footage on VHS, uh, we would love to to convert that for you. We have a, a couple of things already on the page right now. Well, that's uh, that's good stuff, guys. Kelsey, uh, David, I uh, I appreciate your coming to spend the time. Yeah, uh, thank you. It's always good. You know, I, I, I don't want this to have to wait until February for our Valentine's Day episode. I know. So oh, we'll have to find another couple to. We won't just put this in a box for six months. We will. <laughs> What's in the box? What's in the box? It's probably a stupid Indiana Jones reference from 2008. That's what was in the box. Also, it does exist because I just found it on Wikipedia. Boom. Does it? <laughs> Not crazy. Yep. It, oh. it does talk about Indiana Jones, hidden uh, Summer of Hidden Mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> and hilarity oh, ensues. It does. It comes right up. Oh, my and goodness. It was enjoyed by some. Yep. The famous Disneyland attraction, the Jungle Cruise, was given an Indiana Jones overlay featuring five artifacts. From the Indiana Jones films. <laughs> oh, dear God. How have I never heard about this? There's a video of it, too, on YouTube. I'll have to I'll link that up when we put your guys' thing live. Beautiful. Ah, uh, <laughs> the secret of the Stone Tiger stage show. The updated show featured very little redecoration. <laughs> oh, oh, that is terrible. All right. Well, now that you guys have brought me down so much after all these inspiring oh. stories of your love carrying you through and creating this magical, you know, wonderment at Disney, t- 
to, to leave it on this note is painful, but uh, I suppose we have to do it. Oh, well. If you must. If we must. It uh, just means we need to think of better stories to tell if you have us back. Well, we're always happy to do the sequels, and we uh, we also always, um, when we throw the parties at Disney, hopefully you guys can swing in through Phoenix and say hi, and I'll, I'll uh, be more than happy to let you buy me a drink at Trader Sam's. Or I'll buy it. someone. We'll buy. We'll buy our. We'll go Dutch. We'll go Dutch. We'll go. We'll go Dutch. That's yeah. beautiful. Oh, that's uh, do we? Are we going to split an appetizer? Uh, well, no. I just meant we were, we would wear clogs. We would wear. Oh, okay, shoes. cool. Do, do yeah. I have to wear the funny dress with the flowers on it? Well, only if you wear the hat that's kind of turned over that has like you know then the like little elfy hat that that'd be kind of cute. So, <laughs> but what you guys do in the privacy of your own home is up to you. <laughs> and I, uh, I just want to thank you guys. I know that you have, you both have uh, a fan club of people. I know that uh, Skipperette Jen is a huge fan, and uh, I'm glad that we got to reconnect, dude. Uh, you know, it's yeah. it's funny because there's a lot. I had two last trips. I had one in '04 and one in '08. It was the '08 one. Yeah, yeah, and it's that, uh, that we've got to specify. It almost didn't happen. That was the really interesting thing is. That was during a time when they weren't allowing official last trips. I remember. And uh, I want to say that it was Jordan was the, the closing lead. Uh, I'm yeah. Sure, I'm pretty sure it was Jordan. And ha- had it have been the other lead uh, who it could have been, I'm not going to say who it was, we had a great prank. We were going to bring the evacuation ladder out to Indy because it was before they put in the big bamboo walls there so you couldn't see through it. And we were going to evac the boat at Indy and then just put the throttle in the, the lightest possible way uh, and just let the boat coast back into into the dock and just evac everyone at Indy and go out for drinks. But <laughs> God, awesome. That would have been fantastic. Yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. But, you know, then there was that whole, you know, it just wouldn't have – I wouldn't have had my time to be a ham and say goodbye to everyone. So yeah. wouldn't have been good. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for the time. I hope that we will have our paths crossing again in the near future. Uh, For all you people out there in internet land, a couple quick little uh, things. If you are a skipper or know a skipper who'd like to appear on the show, give us a call. uh, Give us a call. Give us an email. JungleCruise, C-R-E-W-S, at gmail.com. Uh, please don't call me because that would be really weird and my phone number is not listed. Um, or you the can number is KL5GNJL. Yes. <laughs> Again, that's KL5GNJL from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday uh, through Friday. I still need to get like a dial-a-song phone number for like, you know, the people can call up and get a jungle anecdote or joke of the day. Uh, or as always, facebook.com, facebook.com slash jungle cruise, C R E W S. Uh, we are nearly 2000 strong with people who love to see the history of, uh, Disneyland and the history of the jungle cruise. We are also finally on Instagram jungle cruise podcast, C R E W S. Uh, we just launched a couple weeks ago and we are putting up daily legacy pictures from the jungle cruise attraction over the years. So catch us on Instagram as well. Thanks, everyone, for uh, tuning in with us. Our our, uh, second episode of the sixth season is uh, in the books, and we'll look forward to seeing you guys soon. Come to Lush, everyone.